Welcome, everybody, to the show. As you can probably already tell, things are going to sound a little bit different this week. Our system seems to be suffering from the same Super Bowl hangover as most of us, and as a result, we've lost some of our production that we normally have for the show. So no music, no interlude whooshes, things like that today, but we still wanted to bring a show while we work out those technical details. I'm sure we're going to have that fixed for next week. In lieu of our normal production, I'm just going to do my best to sing the interludes myself. So enjoy this show, our recap of the Super Bowl, some good Cavs talk and a grab bag, as well as me singing. From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we celebrate Super. We start with our almost instant reactions to Super Bowl 58 and the still world champion Kansas City Chiefs. After that, we are talking Super Cavs and Super Weird Buckeyes offseason. We close the show with the super lazy podcasting move of our first grab bag of 2024. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas. When did you start watching Super Bowl pregame coverage today? I vaguely recall the little countdown on the corner of my TV saying one hour and 43 minutes till kick. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, this is early. And I, I did some stuff and came back and it still said like 45 minutes till kickoff. So I, that was more for the official. Now I'm planted to see what happened. Yeah. So on the same time, it was in that 40 some minute period that I put it on uh, and then walked away from it. But yeah, it was, it was right around there. I had it going. We should be friends. Uh, I was right around the same time, about a half hour, 40 minutes beforehand. Uh, I did not turn anything on. I actually watched a lot of golf today because I did not feel like watching hours and hours and hours of the nonsense for the Super Bowl. But speaking of nonsense in the Super Bowl, why don't we get started with our Super Bowl Super Recap? Super Bowl 58 was a defensive battle for three quarters, and then the defenses finally wore down and the offenses took over. KC had the ball last in regulation, tied the game with a field goal to send it to overtime. Then KC had the ball last in overtime and marched down the field for another score to end the Super Bowl 25-19. to The Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. Was this game and was the story of this game really about mistakes? Turnovers, penalties, blocked extra point, just to name a few. I took a few notes early on, and in big letters, I just had sloppy. And I think that's, you know, like the fumble and the the special team stuff, especially. And it was a really boring game up until like maybe eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. So, so yeah, like if you can't, and it wasn't like that anybody was capitalizing on mistakes. And it felt like, at least early on, uh, it seemed like the 49ers like were just dominating in the trenches on both sides. Like they, they should be running away with this game. And often in most NFL games that we watch, if you don't do that, like you just leave a door open and that's what seemed to happen. But yeah, it seems like it was a really sloppy game for about three quarters of it. And then it became highly competitive. I mean, the mistakes played a huge role, keeping it super close and intense the whole time, regardless of what the, the point total was on the scoreboard. 
What was interesting though is that the turnovers, the sloppiness of the game, that the opposing team's defense shut the offense down after each turnover, except for one. I think. I think there was only one that that muff punt turned into points for uh, KC. Other than that, I don't think any turnovers turned into points. So then, yeah, you get a little, you know, you, you play a little tight, you miss an extra point, it it keeps field goals in play. So I, I think there were a lot of mistakes on both sides of the ball, but my note that I kept writing down was, is are we seeing a resurgence of the defensive dominant football at the professional level, which was gone for so long? I don't know that we are. I kind of hope we are, given our Cleveland Browns, but we'll see. Danko has somehow predicted like half of the questions that I want to hey. ask. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I would agree that it's interesting that there were so many mistakes. The only one really that got capitalized on was that weird punt that got muffed that like hit the dude from San Francisco in the foot and Kansas City scored the touchdown right after that. Other than that, nobody was really doing anything with those turnovers to change the game. And so while there were a lot of turnovers in the end, you get to that fourth quarter and the offense has played pretty well. It was pretty clean most of that fourth quarter and in the overtime. It's just that early part of the game where you think those turnovers would have made a difference, especially in the Super Bowl, where it's kind of classically like whoever makes the most mistakes is going to get creamed. Didn't happen to anybody. But I do think it's an interesting question about, I think, things you guys have both brought up. Was this an entertaining game? And if that is a question, is it because it really was a defensive dominated game for the first three quarters. Well, having it just completed, I do think it was an entertaining game because, but again, because of the way it ended, like the fourth quarter and overtime, of course it, it made it entertaining. I was fairly entertained throughout the whole game, but I can't imagine any chiefs fan or any 49ers fan would have felt the way I was feeling. Cause I, you know, if the Browns were in a game like that, I don't know that I'd be sitting here right now. <laughs> it would have been a disaster, uh, win or lose. I mean, it would have been exhausting. So it was kind of a slow plotting defensive game until the very end. I mean, the fourth quarter, the end of the fourth quarter and, and overtime made it exciting. So I, I was entertained. Were you not entertained? It's kind of, if, if it, which is weird. I love Westerns and it, it felt like now that it's right, like an old school cat and mouse Western where it's a very slow burn. And then all of a sudden you get a lot of action and it wraps up very nicely. And usually like those Westerns. 310 to Yuma. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 Hell or, yeah. Hell or high sucked. water. Any, any of those things. <laughs> the end was cool. The, the, the best player on the field proves why he's the best player on the field or in the NFL. And that's what Patrick Mahomes did. So was it entertaining to a point? Yeah, it should be because this game's more about entertainment in general than it is football for most people, but watching it, it was a plod. And then all of a sudden it, it, it pays off. So at the last hour was entertaining, but three quarters of it, I was like, this is, this is sloppy. And at one point I'm like, I can't believe the, the Browns beat the 49ers at one point because the, their defense seems so fast, but at some point you just wear down. And that's what happened. You saw, two great defenses wear down ultimately. And it's, it's just going to, somebody's going to make a mistake or somebody's going to capitalize. And, and that's what kind of happens. But if we get a little farther away, yeah, it was probably a really good game, but up close. No, not for three quarters. It was pretty shitty. You know, people who like watching football and enjoy football, probably like Denko was saying this, this was entertaining. You know, you like a defensive game. This wasn't necessarily just boring. Like there was a ton of hitting. Like it felt like in those the first half, especially, man, dudes were just hitting on those defenses and the offenses couldn't figure it out. And I was entertained, but I was thinking in the back of my head, like, 
the, the casual fan who turns out for the Super Bowl hates this, doesn't understand it, thinks this is boring as hell. And so it couldn't have been exactly what the NFL wanted, except for the fact that I think it definitely ended the way the NFL wanted. The question is, is this an anomaly or are we going to see more likely to see in the Super Bowl in the future big-time offenses come out and do big-time offense things rather than the defenses that we saw uh, playing today? Early in the game, Kansas City Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey tried to beat up an old man who's also his head coach. Big deal or no? No, not now. I mean, maybe if they, they would have lost, <laughs> yeah, right. If they would have lost the game, it might have been a big deal. But no, like if somebody will ask that question, and they'll both just say, "Oh, we're so passionate and a huge moment." And you know, he's a gamer, and he wanted to be on the field, and he wasn't. But like, like he wouldn't have fumbled the ball or something, or he would have changed the outcome of that play. Uh, but no, I, yeah, somebody it'll it'll get brushed over. If they would have lost, it would have been a much bigger deal. Yeah, it's going to be a, a non-issue right now as I watch both Travis Kelsey and his coach uh, share the podium and hoist yeah. the trophy. But had had they lost, it, it might have turned into something. I don't know. It it was it was a bad look, that's for sure. Didn't didn't help the young running back who fumbled the ball. Uh, you, you know, yeah. uh, when your when your offensive captain is acting like a like a child. But it's it, Chuck's right. It, it it's the emotion. You know, okay, he's a passionate guy, passionate. Uh, moment those kind of things and he let it get the best of them but with the KC win I think it'll be all right I don't really think this thing was ever going to be a big deal with, with Kelsey and Reed I, I think it was a lot of what made it look really bad was circumstantial Kelsey wanted to voice his desire to be on the field on every play and Reed was just looking the other way probably talking to somebody on his headset and all of a sudden this giant dude is grabbing his arm and yelling at him I think Reed was just kind of like startled like hey what the f- and then immediately, like, just went back to what he was doing and didn't worry about it anymore. So I, I put that up to, you know, the passion of the athlete as cranked up as you could possibly ever be to, to play in this Super Bowl. That, that's a nothing, nothing story to me. The Chiefs win again. Uh, this is now three for this Mahomes-Kelsey-Reed core. What does it say about those guys now and, like, going forward together? Well, I mean, you got to use the dynasty word, right? Um, they got they got their trifecta. Uh, it's the it's the coach, the quarterback, and the and the next star. So going forward, I don't. This is interesting because outside of a guy like Travis Kelsey retiring, this team comes back and maybe adds pieces. Really, you know, like on offense, because their defense looks lights out. So yeah. I could see this team back in this game. Not next year because the Browns will be there, but you know maybe in the next few years, like they make a couple more appearances for sure. Dynasty is the right word with way less weapons than they had mm-hmm. when they went two years ago, last year, or the year before, or four years before, whenever they played before that. And that defense is very, very young. It's only the stud D lineman, right? What Jones? Is that his name, Chris Jones, maybe. Yeah, he's yeah. the only guy who's back from that defense from four years ago when they played San Francisco. So if that's how they built their smart organization, you have the best quarterback in the NFL. You're tighten up your defense, and then you find a few more pieces because some of the free agent guys, like they weren't even on the. I don't even know if they like tone like those dudes didn't even dress like the skill guys that they've brought in over the past year or so. So. Uh, but then you develop a, a great running back in Pachenko. Uh, you develop a, a wide receiver one in Rice. So, yeah, yeah. does it pay me to say, like, are, are we looking at a team that's probably going to be there for the next five to six seasons if Mahomes stays healthy? 
yuck but yes <laughs> I mean, like it's gross but yeah it's probably what's gonna happen if there was ever a year in this run that they're having for them not to win the title this should have been the yeah. year this right. should have been it man and you just can't say enough about what Mahomes did on that final drive in regulation and then the final drive in overtime to just make every play they needed to make to prove yet again that for all the time we spend watching football and talking about football and trying our best as clowns to analyze football, what it all really comes down to is if you've got the best quarterback in the league on your team at the end of the Super Bowl, you're going to win. You just can't say enough about Mahomes. This guy gives them a chance to continue to win championships even when the the rest of the supporting cast just isn't there. Uh, and I'm sure Reed and the way that he calls a game is a huge part of that, but I think that's the biggest thing you can say about those guys. Now, hear me out. I feel like the 49ers played like the Browns today. They looked really good on offense early, but abandoned the run for no reason. The defense was good all game. Quarterback play was a little bit iffy. Some really bad, unexpected things happened. Some good players got injured. And in the end, they couldn't get it done in heartbreaking fashion. Was this the closest we have ever been to watching the Browns play in the Super Bowl? Oh, God. Yeah. When you put it that way, <laughs> parallels are uncanny. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I remember writing that down, too, as well. Like, why, why have they abandoned the run? ultimately lackluster quarterback but like I had that say you're absolutely I had that same feeling I have for years with the Browns like I don't think he's gonna make the play that he needs to make I don't think Purdy's gonna make that play as yeah. a quarterback that they need to make so yeah this is absolutely the closest because it ends in heartbreak so so yeah yeah I, I have to agree that the things I kept noting throughout this game was man their defense looks fast I said that about yeah. 17 times this year for the Browns right yeah and and then I also noted hey why aren't they running the ball and please use your tight end more I'm like damn it yeah that's this is the exact same yeah. thing <laughs> I would yeah. write about the Browns so yeah I'm uh I'm with you there now and and all of a sudden feel much worse thank you <laughs> so I guess the two things we've learned about Super Bowls is if you have Patrick Mahomes you're going to win and if you play like the Browns you're going to lose is that about it <laughs> Is that the lesson we can take from Super Bowl 58? I'd like to get a chance, though. <laughs> That's true. A chance to lose the game? That'd be nice. All right. How about uh, best commercial during the game? Arnold and DeVito reuniting for State Farm. Christopher Walken, I think was for BMW. I don't even remember. It was. It was uh, it. Any of the Jesus commercials or Dunk Kings with Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, J-Lo, Brady was in that one too. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good cast for that. What was your favorite commercial of the night? I didn't see the the walk-in one. I, I think I don't know what I was doing at that point, but I know it caused a big stir in the text group. So uh, if I have to pick the ones I saw, I, I think I enjoyed parts of the Dunk Kings one. Like the self-aware Matt Damon was the best part of that one. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. And the, and the the jumpsuit was pretty. So I wonder if I go to Duncan, I can buy the same like the same sweatsuit that he had on but ultimately i thought that one was pretty well done where all the commercials it seemed everybody went with celebrities this everybody yeah. went with celebrities this year and duncan's playing the long game because i'm pretty sure they introduced ben affleck last year so it was a nice payoff but it was it was entertaining i laughed i thought it was really well done. there were a lot of good commercials this year um the dunk kings one my favorite part was when j-lo asked tom brady to stick around i thought that was pretty, pretty good <laughs> 
<laughs> and probably foreshadowing oh. next year's uh, media <laughs> bonanza, right? Like, oh boy. Anyway, so I don't know. I, I guess uh, Christopher Watkins was weird. It was good, but I think you even commented in the text group, Gervs. Like, he was so little a part of it other than everyone was just being Christopher yeah. Walken, which was fantastic. I love me some Christopher Walken. So I, I enjoyed that entire, that entire commercial, but I do like the self-deprecating humor of the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger and his inability to pronounce words and everyone calling him out on it all the way up until the end with Danny DeVito saying that he, he's what he's a backstab, not a backstabber. He's a backstabber. So I'm going to go with that. Cause you know, twins, twins is a great movie. The twins callback is fantastic, man. That's a really funny movie, but I'm going with the Dunk Kings. I thought that was funny, man. I thought Damon was great. This is exactly how you react to a buddy who is like making you do something you know is really stupid, um, which is, I don't know, might happen on this show from time to time. So <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit of gambling? Do you remember that at the end of our Super Bowl episode last year, we looked at the odds for who was going to win Super Bowl 58, and we made our choices. Do you remember who you picked? No. Eagles? Denko chose the Eagles uh, and didn't think that you would get very good odds on that one. You got like plus 550. Chuck chose the 49ers. Got plus 500 on that one. Jason Gerber chose the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) Plus 350. Did not make that bet, but it proves that it's never too soon to try to predict the winner of a Super Bowl. So who do you think is winning Super Bowl 59? And I have odds for every team in the league right now. It's got to swing towards the NFC. And I, I'm i going to say something crazy here. I'm going to say the Green Bay Packers. Ooh. Plus 2,500. Make that bet right now. Yeah. Big payday. Yeah. Put some put yeah. some bucks on yeah. that one, man. Well, I, I want to go – I want to go – NFC as well and with the Lions, but I don't I don't think they're I don't think they're gonna get there. I'd like to see it happen. I, uh, I'm gonna say because of the trades we were involved in, the Houston Texans win the Super Bowl next year. Oh jeez. Ballsy. Also plus twenty five hundred. Man, you guys you go. are going there way go. out there. Hey man. Remember I'm this. gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Don't fix Such it. A Chiefs hack. Plus eight fifty. Chiefs honk. Chiefs honk. Uh, Detroit Lions plus seventeen hundred. If you're thinking of them, Cleveland Browns unfairly disrespected at plus five thousand. That's actually oh, worse than God. last year's odds. Yeah. Let's Man. put some gerbucks on that because Man, I might have to do the Browns that. are better yeah. than that. But, fellas, we are going to close the book on Super Bowl 59 right there. The NFL season is officially over. I'm now watching Tracker while we record the show. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to come back home to the land and talk some calves. Ooh. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We're leaving Las Vegas, heading back to the land for our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cavs recap. The Cavs only know how to do one thing, f***ing win. Cavs flipped the bird to the trade deadline and continued rolling with a 26-point win over the Kings on Monday night. Back-to-back wins on the road against the Wizards and the Nets by a combined 31 and closed out the week, securing the northern border 
with a 24-point win over the Raptors. Cavs are 35 and 16, second in the East, and looking finer than fine wine. What do you love about what you saw from the Cavs this week? There's so much, but what I noticed in this back-to-back 4-0 weeks that we're discussing now is in the first game, 12 guys played. In the second game, 10 guys played. In the third game, 12 guys played. And in the fourth game, 11 guys played. That's ridiculous. They were going so deep. And part of that part of that was because at the end of the game, they had it was decided, right? And, and that's what you want to see in, the, in these kind of the games that they're playing right now. The starters were out there with about, I don't know, three minutes left in the game, and then they just clear the benches. Like, that's good to see. Let's get these guys yeah. off the floor from a kind of a, a – stat standpoint i guess you you saw donovan mitchell do everything that a superstar should do he scored 40 points in a game when he needed to he had assists out of his ass when he needed to you know he was he was facilitating when he needed to he got rebounds and everything so it it was good and i heard a stat yesterday that our cleveland cavaliers have the best road record in all of the nba yes that is huge that is huge because this team that we had such high hopes for one year ago all they did was win at home. Their road their yeah. road record was was kind of iffy at best, right? Oh, it was awful. I, lo- I looked up, the, I yeah. saw the exact same thing and heard the same right. stat and looked it up. And they were, I think they were 10 games under 500 on the road last year. In any playoff series, you got to play at least a couple games on the road. So I like where this is going. This is the perfect question for six pages of notes that I have typed All right, out. Man. Oh, wow. Phil, get yeah. comfortable. Chuck is taking over <laughs> no, the show. No, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in bullet We'll see you off the field, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, here's what I like because it was different. The thing I liked the most, it was different almost every game. Uh, Monday, fast-paced, they could do it, and it was great. Wednesday, sloppy first half. Donovan Mitchell is playing the best basketball he's ever played. That's what we're seeing now over the last couple of weeks. Thursday, dominant defense for sure. And then Saturday, a lot of assists. It was like four different games, basically. Like strengths all came out in these different games. But what, what I'm really liking and why I'm really falling in love with this team, when our bench comes out, not much changes, man. The pace of the game stays the same. The defensive intensity stays the same. The offense the rebounding, it's all continuous. And what, what we're seeing on this run is, and granted, they're not playing the best teams in the NBA, but I don't care. They're beating who they're supposed to be, is that other teams aren't going to be able to match up with our bench when it really starts to matter. You're not seeing this dramatic fall off like we have in years past with this team. So uh, the best part, too, is that uh, this week I see Evan Mobley really, we're starting to see him take the leap that we wanted him to see. And ultimately, too, the fact that that Jared Allen almost got in a fight made me feel real good because we thought he was soft as a pillow, man. But he didn't like what happened and jumped up and wanted to go. So I've seen this team kind of as as the season's progressing and the lineups continue to change, but they're evolving almost who they're playing against. And that's what I like. Like, if we want to run a fast paced game, no problem. We're going to beat you that way. If it needs to be sloppy and D and our superstar needs to win the game, no problem. That's what's going to happen. If our young defensive superstar is all of a sudden going to start shooting threes and hitting them. Great. Uh, It just seems like this is going to be a really fun ride uh, for something that we thought, Oh man, everybody's hurt. Now it's starting to come together they'll get it right. But this has been the most exciting two weeks of basketball. Again, I don't care who they're playing against. That doesn't matter to me uh, because you're seeing growth each and every game. I agree with you on the, like who they're playing thing. Like they're winning back to back road games. 
you know, where they're traveling back-to-back nights and, and they're winning those games, it's not easy to do in the NBA no matter who you're playing. And they haven't lost since I was like 46 years old. I mean, it's been a really <laughs> impressive It's been run. a year. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. No, I was 46 a couple of weeks ago, man. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I think what I love the best is this, this Cavs team puts pressure on you on offense and on defense. Like, they make you work. When the Cavs are on offense, they're moving the ball around. They're moving around. It doesn't matter who's in there. They've always got somebody out there who can shoot threes. They're constantly putting stress on your defense. On the other side of the ball, when they're when you're trying to play offense against the Cavs defense, their defense is constantly putting stress on you. The, you know, you've got to deal with the big guys. You've got to deal with Isaac Okoro. You've got to deal with the fact that the even the guys who maybe aren't great defensive players are moving around like crazy and they're rebounding really well. So you get to these points where the Raptors had something like six straight trips in the second half where they got one quick shot and that was it. And then the Cavs had the ball back. I just feel like putting that type of pressure on the other team at both ends of the court, it just wears them down. And so all of a sudden the game that was close a little bit of the, of the first half against the Raptors turns into a blowout. Same with like that, that Kings game. The Kings are not a bad team. The Kings are going to be a playoff team. Good and team. they Very ran them, they ran them off the court, man. And I just don't know that I've ever I remember seeing a Cavs team that was that good on both ends of the floor to kind of put that stress on and just kind of wear their team down. So you get to the fourth quarter, you're not beating them. You're you're too tired. You've given up too much just to stay in the game. You're never going to handle them in the fourth quarter. I, my favorite thing from this past week was kind of seeing them play ball like that. Why don't we move on? Let's raise a glass. Who is your toast of the town? Do we get this one? Is that better than I like what I was one. using before? That's All good. right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell averaged 27 points, five assists, and five rebounds. He had three games out of the four where he played less than 35 minutes, which I think is really great for his legs come playoff time. Evan Mobley averaged a double-double for the week. Jared Allen averaged a double-double for the week. Sam Merrill, nine points in 11 minutes against the Kings, nine points in 12 minutes against the Nets, six points in 10 minutes against the Raptors. Who is your toast of the town for the week? I'm going to go with Mobley because I, I guess I expect it all from, from Donovan Mitchell uh, week in and week out for what he's doing. And again, he's playing phenomenally. But Mobley, where I thought he'd be almost in the same boat that Garland is, where he's, he'd be a little rusty, um, and he's he's not. Uh, you're seeing him be aggressive on offense, which is something that we talked about wanting to see out of him. Uh, so the fact that he's, he's came in and plugged in really well and seems aggressive and I don't care if he's only taken five threes, like the fact that he's doing it and hitting some of them, like against the Raptors where Barnes kind of backed off him and he hit it anyway, like he dared him to do it. Like That's the growth I wanted to see early on in the season. And now we're seeing it. So, and you, you stack that on top of his all world defense, man, like now I'm starting to get really excited for where his game's going. So I'm going to give it to Mobley this week. Uh, Mobley's a great choice because he is turning into the player that we hoped he would be. And he's certainly a different player than he was pre-injury. Like, I don't, I don't know what he studied or what he worked on when he was rehabbing. Steroids. Right? Yeah, right. It worked. No, no, no. Oh. Uh, it, uh, Rooming it, with it Tristan worked. on the road. We were, yeah, yeah, there you go. We were worried about 
Mobley taking some of Jared Allen's resurgence away. And that hasn't happened either. So these yeah. guys are, they're finding like how to, how to play together. So I, I, I really like that, but I'm, I'm going to go outside the box a little bit here and I'm going to actually give my toast to the tip of the red wine town thing to uh, Sam Merrill. And here's why you rattle off those stats curves. That dude is coming off the bench and putting up points in no time, no time. And a lot of the time during the week, they were backbreakers. Like he would can a three and then another three. And the other team all of a sudden found themselves down two or three possessions. That guy is exceeding expectations. And I, I think, didn't he win a championship with the Bucs? So he has a championship pedigree and he's he's showing it coming off the bench. So that's what I'm, I'm going to, this week, I'll give it to him. Can't go wrong. And I have a feeling the way this, this season is going, that we're going to do this every week. And Mitchell Mobley and Allen are going to be there every yeah. single time but i'm gonna go with mitchell because i think chuck is right i think he's playing the best basketball we've ever seen and, and probably for his career he's just doing everything and that entire offense runs through him now he's in control of the entire thing he's making it all happen and he has like risen to the occasion for it and he's still that guy when they're having an ugly game like they did against the wizards he can carry them in the fourth quarter so that they win the game uh, all by himself. Uh, so I'm going to give it to to Mitchell this week. But it's not all fun and games and happy horse shit. Since coming back from injury, Darius Garland is averaging only 11 points and five assists. Scale of one to five. One being the finale of winning time, five being the finale of Ted Lasso. How disappointing has Garland's return been so far? I'm going to ride the fence on that one and put it at a two and a half. Cause I, it, it's what's interesting is Garland found himself back into a starting five where Mitchell became every part of a point guard. He was dealing out assists, getting rebounds and scoring a ton. So I think Garland's trying to trying to find his, his role again. It looked like he had it his first game back. Actually, he was, he was scoring at, at will, which was like, all right, no rust on this dude. And then after that, you could see he's kind of having a hard time, uh, uh, finding a space there. So I, I'm I'm not that disappointed by it. Be, well, I mean, the Cavs won nine in a row. <laughs> Hard to be yeah, disappointed. Yeah. You, you know, I think this is a perfect time of the year and the way this team is playing to get Darius Garland to figure out exactly who he is for this team and what he does and when. I, I, I was trying to pay attention this week as to how many minutes he was playing without Mitchell on the floor. And, and Bickerstaff had him out there a little bit um, and maybe he's ramping up his minutes, but a little bit later in the game when Mitchell was getting some rest and I thought, all right, Darius, now's your, now's your go ahead and, you know, the running floaters and, and the step back threes, go ahead and start unleashing those. And you didn't see that confidence yet. So hopefully that's, what's coming. You know, a little farther down the trough and put it, I think said Phil said two and a half, you put it in the middle. Or you go right two. in the middle. Yeah. yeah I'm going to just, I'm going to go towards two. I, I heard it very often. Uh, I want to know how much weight he's lost and all that stuff. And I, okay, cool. And, but the thing that concerns me, not only the rust, is that it wasn't necessarily like he was looking his best before that injury either. Like he, he's had a, a, an odd season for him with the turnovers and such, but the team's playing so well, you kind of cover that stuff up. So I, I guess I put it at two, you bring him along, he gets back into form maybe after the all-star break. And, and then like it's, it's another massive piece that we we've come to expect for that guy to hit huge shots uh, or to lead this offense when he needs to. I, I think I'm, kind of that two range as well. I'm it's not as bad as winning time, but it's not it's not great. In some ways maybe it's a little bit unfair cuz I think Mobley has exceeded what I I had expectation wise for him when he came back. 
Uh, I think he's better than I expected him to be. And maybe that's making Garland look worse. But I I still think it's an open question on whether like Garland and Mitchell work well together. And we need to get that figured out. And if not, one of those dudes has got to go. One of those dudes has probably got to move if they can't if they can't work it out. I hate to see it. Garland was a dominant scoring type player the year before Mitchell. He was really, really good. He wore out by the end of the year, but he scored a ton of points. I guess we kind of want to see that guy still. We just haven't yet and certainly haven't since the injury. So hopefully it's going to trend in the right direction because we all want, obviously we all want Garland to, to do well. Next week, the wounded 76ers are in town Monday night. The meh. Bulls are in town on Valentine's Day. And then the All-Star break is next weekend. Should we bring back our real-time slam dunk contest show? Come on. Who's yes. Yes. I got one. I got one. Who's who's dunking this year? Have they announced anyone? Oh, yes. Know. Absolutely. Mitchell's in the three-point contest. We could live is, yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. That might be even better. That's always usually better anyway. All right. So are the Cavs beating both these teams by at least 15 this week? No. <laughs> I think they win both games, but I do not think they beat them both by 15. Yeah. I think they probably beat them both by 20 would be my guess. So <laughs> I'm going the other end of that scale. Uh, a fantastic week for the Cavs. They keep impressing and uh, it's, it's really going to be a good time to watch this team after the break. Let's move on. Let's get a little bit nuts. It's been a crazy time for the Ohio State Buckeyes since the season ended. Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator for the holidays, and that was about it. He moved on to become the head coach at Boston College. So the Buckeyes went out and got Chip Kelly as their offensive coordinator, at least for the spring, hopefully more. At the same time, the Buckeyes have added multiple top 100 transfer players from the portal. Are these the moves of a team that's going all in, a team in panic, or both? It's a really good question, um, and you use the perfect term because college athletics aren't really like that anymore. Like you're going all in uh, because there's a lot involved. The Chip Kelly thing, like I've always hated Chip Kelly, but you took a, a head coach from a team that's now in your conference, right? Yep. So yeah, that's a, well, that's starting. A, is it next year. year or the year after? No, this I think this year. year. Yeah, yeah. That's weird. That's, yeah, yeah, right. So that's a good thing. I'm surprised that. Uh, who left and went now? He's coach. You just said his name. I'm sorry. Bill O'Brien. I'm surprised Bill O'Brien doesn't like, hey, I'm going to go coach UCLA now. Um, it's it's a like I've never liked Chip Kelly, but that's still a, that's still a good get. All these guys in the portal. I'm like, this this seems like a, a major league sports franchise literally pushing all in. Like we are not accepting the fact that we lost to Michigan. We're not accepting the fact like this is an unacceptable uh, and I've, I've I've never seen. I guess this is going to be the norm now in college sports, right? For for these major programs to be able to do this. So the fact that Ohio State's doing it first, and hopefully it leads to to a national championship, I'd be really happy. It doesn't mean I like Chip Kelly, but can he can he help the offense? I, I hope so. Like I, I it's weird. This feels like a, a an an NFL offseason, not a NCAA offseason. It feels like that because this is professional sports. This is professional sports at the highest level now, right? <laughs> Ryan Day was on Chip Kelly's staff at some point, so now the roles have been reversed. So there's the a student becomes a teacher. There. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a relationship there that should be seamless. And Chuck was exactly right. Like the, the guy left a head coaching job 
to be an offensive coordinator at a bigger program because it, it, it might be a better gig for that dude than to be the head coach at a UCLA that's about to enter the Big Ten and lose half their games probably. So this is definitely Ohio State all in. In a year, I believe we're about to transition to 12 playoff teams too. So they didn't have to go all in. They were going to get the play in the playoffs regardless. But it's Ohio State. It's not about getting in the playoffs. It's about hoisting that trophy, right? National championship or bust. That's kind of how this feels. It feels like a little bit of both. It's all in, but it's also like a panic move. Like they haven't gotten over the hump the last few years, and that's not acceptable at Ohio State. And Mike Rabel is sitting on a couch somewhere planning his TV gig for next season. And I don't think Day wants to deal with that possibility. If he doesn't win it this year, uh, he's getting replaced. Chip Kelly seems like a weird move to me. Like he's a big name, but when was it the last time that guy was a coach of a really successful team or program? Like Oregon? Oregon. Like, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Eight years ago? He's been uh, at UCLA for what, six years? It's something like that. Has he been there for so maybe it's like more like ten or twelve since he was at Oregon? Because he had his few I, years I just at, completely made that up. I, you're an <laughs> I think I read that earlier. It's too late for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Anyway, it seems like it's been a long time since he's really been successful. So it's like it's one of those things. Are you bringing in a name or are you bringing in a guy that's really ready to help? I don't know. Adding a bunch of talent, adding some guys who are like the number one ranked players in the portal at their position, adding some guys from Alabama who left when Saban left. Nothing wrong with any of that, man. It sounds like it's a little bit like in Blue Chips when Nick Nolte is just kind of like, go out and get me the players and he <laughs> yeah. gets Shaq and uh, Penny, and, Shaq and, Penny. Yeah, and yeah. the other guy, you know, um, the guy who wanted the tractor. Um, that's what it feels like. He's just going out and saying, Hey, we're going, we're going all in on all of this now. <laughs> Awful movie. The movie <laughs> sucks. The movie was fantastic. <laughs> no. You shut your mouth. You shut your mouth. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about movies. We're here to talk about the Buckeyes. I think that it's, like I said, they're all in. Maybe there's some panic there too. But hopefully it's all good news uh, for this team heading into next year because we'd all like to see them beat Michigan, get back into get back into the playoffs. But, fellas, we're going to close out our at-home segment there, take our final break, come back, head off the field, for a from the land, great bag. Ooh. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field. Let's close out a busy night of podcasting in the laziest way possible. Welcome to our first grab bag of 2024, a random set of random topics to close out the night. Last week, HBO announced its next Game of Thrones prequel, Aegon's Conquest, will premiere in 2025. What is happening first? Chuck's kids going to college or HBO running out of Game of Thrones content? <laughs> That's a long ways off, but it's an <laughs> expansive universe. Uh, I'm going to say my kids will be in college before we see the end of some sort of offshoot Game of Thrones thing, because it feels like it can go on forever with prequels and sequels and such. Reboots. Reboots. The original Game of oh Thrones. Oh, my reboots. God. Reboot the original. I think we see both Chip and Charlie in college and maybe even finishing college before the end of this run. <laughs> With HBO, because all they have to do is look across the aisle to Marvel, and Marvel has made 15 years out of these kind of things, and 
Game of Thrones has all the source material they need and prequels and sequels. And so, yeah, strap in for 18 more years of Game of Thrones. And did you see all the dragons and the commercials today? They didn't have any trouble drawing dragons for Super Bowl commercials. Let's get these shows going. We're going to get to it. But I think AI draws dragons now. So it's probably like way faster than it used to be, like with a pen Even better. or a pencil. I, I guess I agree in part because there is so much material, but also because it's it's like two years between seasons. Mm -hmm. So if you've got like a four or five season show and there's two years between all of them that's 10 years we're not they're gonna be in high school in house of the dragon ends yeah. we've already got a season <laughs> of that down you know <laughs> and the guy hasn't even finished the books yet so yeah. we could get like a redo of the last two seasons of game of thrones once he finishes the book and tells us what happens so there's plenty of game of thrones content we're gonna get back to it why don't we move on talk some cleveland real estate news last week the ohio state legislature passed an appropriations bill that includes $20 million for a land bridge to connect downtown over the shoreway to Brown Stadium, the Rock Hall, and Lake Erie. First question, what should they name the land bridge? Should it be the Cleave Land Bridge? <laughs> the F*** Art Modell Scenic Walking Bridge? <laughs> the Joe Flacco Memorial Bridge? Oh. Or the Amani Bates Bridge. <laughs> of those options, I'm going to actually go with the most ridiculous first first attempt, the Cleve Land Bridge. <laughs> so terrible. Going with Gerb here because get ahead of the curve on Amani Bates and his Amani athletic Bates. prowess here. So let's name it after him because I don't think the Sherwin-Williams building in a poster of Amani Bates in the next couple of years is good enough like where the LeBron poster used to be right outside. The yeah. So let's, yeah. let's get, let's get a bridge going. Fine. Just name it the La bridge. Yeah. You know what? I can't believe I missed the opportunity to translate the land bridge into French <laughs> and use it. But I, I want to apologize to you guys and our listeners for not coming up with that. Um, I'm going with the Art Modell Scenic Walking Bridge. Um, but also this week in real estate news, the Haslams purchased 176 acres in Brook Park across the street from the airport. Now, the land bridge would seem to indicate long-term commitment to the Browns on the lakefront. Haslams either found oil in Brook Park or are serious about making a move or they're making a 200-acre bluff. What do you think is going on here? For as, as much as I don't enjoy the, the Haslam's, it's a genius move. Um, and I think it's not it's not just a bluff. It's it's a leverage because if you know anything about super rich people, they don't like to pay for the stuff they need to build. <laughs> so uh, with that bluff, uh, the city and taxpayers will, will probably pay for either a massive upgrade to that stadium or a, or a new stadium. I just thought like it's the first time I'll ever give him credit as like a shrewd businessman other than stealing money from minorities, truck drivers, which was not great. Uh, Australian <laughs> unions. <laughs> <laughs> but like ultimately, like he's uh, he's forcing the, the city's hand uh, before it's even a real issue. Um, and I think they should play downtown. Would it upset me if they moved to Brook Park? No, because we're of the age that I can remember making the trek out to Richfield, everybody, to watch the Cavs yeah. 
yep. in the force play. And that wasn't that big of a deal. Like it was a special thing to go out there and Brooke parks closer to my, so I can see my mom and see the Browns pick up Phil on the way. It'd be, it'd be Perfect. fine with me. Sign me up. Um, but you don't invest that much money into your lakefront uh, and then, you know, build around it. But I think uh, ultimately he might be upset that it just hasn't developed as quickly as he's wanted it to around that stadium, but it's a, it's a smart, smart move. Um, I don't know what you do with that land if they end up staying downtown. What can you exactly. possibly That's, do out there? Yeah. Like, what are you going to do with with it? Like maybe build the world's largest Parma pierogies. Does that still exist anywhere? <laughs> <Should>. No. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a, it's a smart move that that leverages uh, their upper hand to, to getting the improvements they want, and not paying for it. Here's what they do with that land. It's it's all about Chuck is right. It's leverage at this point, but it all it becomes all about flexibility. They own the land. At the end of the day, if they get a new stadium deal downtown in the, on the lakefront, like we all hope they do, and, and that's part of the, the city center, uh, they can always sell that land, right? <laughs> they can sell that land and make money back, or they can move their practice facility out of Berea into that land as well and have some state-of-the-art practice facility if they want. Uh, if the stadium ends up there, the complaint about it being out of the city, it's 10 minutes south of downtown. Yeah, that's, not, I was going to say, it's, yeah. it's not that not, far. No, it's not Richfield. And and if you look at all these other state-of-the-art stadiums, be it LA or be it Las Vegas, like the stadium we just saw tonight, they are out of the city center. They've got land around it. So you can you build up this amazing facility and everyone can park right there as opposed to our wonderful lakefront stadium, which I thoroughly enjoy the way it is settled there, but you can't get near it. And and it's it's difficult. Uh, from from a logistics standpoint too. So I think this provides them flexibility, but probably at this stage in the game, I think Chuck is probably right. It's it's more of a leverage point. Hey, we've got we've got options here, Cleveland. Uh, you want to put another syntax into place so we can build a dome stadium downtown. It does seem like a really aggressive move because I would say I don't know how easy it is to sell 200 acres in Brook Park right next to the airport unless you're selling it to like the park and ride people. So I, I don't know if this really a move that's they can just say like, well, we can always get out of it by selling the land. You, you don't always know what, how that's going to work. I think what it may set up is like kind of what you're saying, Phil, like the modern era of stadiums are stadiums placed in places where you can build live, play, work, multi-use commercial and residential properties around the stadium. The stadium becomes the hub for, where everybody wants to be it's so much land like i think i read that they needed like 40 acres for a stadium uh and so you've got another 130 acres what are you going to do you're going to build hotels and bars and restaurants and condos and things like that that's a move that you can make there that maybe you can't make on the lakefront i guess i'm partial to staying on the lakefront i think we all are i think anybody who's like a cleveland browns fan like loves having the team downtown and it is a, a big economic driver for the city to have them downtown. But at the same time, if they move to Brook Park and you gave some developer the opportunity to knock down the stadium and develop land right on Lake Erie in downtown Cleveland, like I think the city would make a ton of money that way too because somebody's going to build places for people to live and play and work right on the water. There's that thing that says like you want your teams downtown. I think we love having the Guardians downtown. We even though Richfield was kind of like a cool, weird trip to take, like out in the middle of nowhere to go watch a basketball game. It's nice to have everything downtown, but I don't know that it's the end of the world if they move 10 minutes away to Brook Park and build like some massive facility down there. All right. 
Moving on from our high-end real estate negotiation discussion, uh, I know it's still cold, but it's not too soon to start planning out our summer running in the cinema segments. Which of these summer blockbusters do you think we should review? May 17th, if comes out. That's Ryan Reynolds and John Krasinski. Krasinski? Krasinski? Jim from the office. Jim from, Jim the, from office. the office. <laughs> exactly. They developed and star in a movie. It's a story about a girl who can see imaginary friends. And as you're putting some thought behind which ones you guys want to re- us to review, keep in mind the entertainment value of me going to a kid's movie for the first time in like 10 <laughs> years by myself. Uh, June 7th, Ballerina. Mm, doesn't sound great, right? But. It's actually a John Wick universe spinoff with Anna Diarmas and Keanu making an appearance. June 14th, Bad Boys 4. According to what I reviewed today, there is no plot details that have been announced, <laughs> and it's probably okay, even though the movie comes out in like four months. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, July 19th, Twisters, the daughter of the characters in the original Chagrin Cinema classic Twister, start chasing... Uh, She starts chasing tornadoes in that one. July 26th, we saw the preview for this one today during the Super Bowl, Deadpool 3. And I think we basically know which that's about. Which one of these movies do you guys want to see added to our running in the cinema segments for this summer? I feel awful. There's no Tom Cruise option here. Like, come on. There's no no Top Gun coming out this or Mission Impossible coming out this summer. I, I think one of them is, right? Maybe no, not. I think there's still. Maybe I think it's later it, in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like right. maybe it's like a Thanksgiving release for the Mission Impossible second half. Has got to be what's coming out next. Well, of that list, it's easy for me. I'm going Deadpool because I am the comic book nerd, and that commercial from today's Super Bowl spoke directly to me from Ryan Reynolds' mouth to my ears. So I want Deadpool. I'm excited for Deadpool, but with two children, it's hard to get out. And I know Deadpool 3 will be a lot of places, either illegally or illegally within like six months. I'm going Dark Horse Twisters here, man. Like Twister was a really fun movie. It was a good movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're right in the wheelhouse. You say Chagrin Cinema Classic, and it it surely was. Uh, And when it's on, and it's not on as frequently as a lot of other movies, I make sure to check in with it whenever I'm I'm going through channels. Like, oh, this this still kind of holds up. Uh, without Paxton around, though, like, is Helen Hunt going to make a cameo? I don't or think she does. Possibly. Um, I just remember that movie being super cool with with the CGI and for for when it was whatever that was ninety three four somewhere like in there. That, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. somewhere. Be. Well, I was working there, so it had to be ninety four at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm interested in Twisters. That's that's a really long gap between between right. the yeah. original. And we did we did it's it like with Avatar. Top Gun. That's we true. did it with Top yeah, Gun. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Here we go. If Top Gun's the benchmark, I'm sure Twisters is just as good as Maverick. Well, good news. It's my show, so I pick both of them. And that way we All can right. we can go see okay. them both. And maybe I might throw in If as well, because that actually looks pretty funny. Ryan Reynolds and the guy from The Office, both a lot of fun. So we'll see. We're going to hit a lot of movies this summer. That'll be great. All right, let's move on to our local community updates. First one, February 4th, Solon Community Park. Police came upon a parked car, woman in the passenger seat, man in the driver's seat with the seat tilted back. He had warrants. When they tried to handcuff him, he ran. The canine unit was on site. The canine chased him. 
the guy kicked the canine, but they still got him. So first question, why do you think the reporter included the detail about the seat being tilted back? Chuck? <laughs> well, you know. You're from Solon. It's <laughs> been <laughs> so a lot of time at that community park. I never had my seat tilted back. It's just it's a it's a spicy nugget for weirdos like us to go, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I know what was happening. Maybe I should have went up to that park a little more often. <laughs> Without that detail, no one's clicking on that story. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Ooh, let's see where this is going. I haven't been in that park since one of our all-star softball weekends oh, with yeah. Tommy Edwards. Yeah, man. Softball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that the park? Excellent. Yeah, I have yeah. been That's to that park. park. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. All right. Medina, January 19th, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Police respond to a report about a non-city employee plowing snow from a city street. If you live in the neighborhood, how pissed are you at the narc who called this one in? Pretty pissed. Pretty, pretty pissed. <laughs> I assume you, you don't mow another man's lawn and you don't plow another man's road. Is that applicable here? So I'm. Uh, it, it's been a mild winter there in here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's not that big of a deal. I'd be. Uh, I'd probably do the same. I'd report that. Guy's a hero. The guy is a <laughs> hero, man. He's out there doing a public service, keeping the roads clean, man. That's it's ridiculous to call the cops on that. All right, last one. University Heights, February 1st, 12.15 a.m. Police reported to Baintree Road, where multiple people reported hearing a man and woman arguing and multiple gunshots. Police were unable to find the man, the woman, or the source of the shots. What are your thoughts on the University Heights Police going 0 for 3 on this one? Uh, being around that area, well, maybe somebody's had a really great like surround sound system. Yeah. <laughs> they're watching, they're watching a movie, maybe the equalizer three. I uh but but going over three is never good. Um, but ultimately it seems like a gigantic waste of time. 12 15 a.m. Obviously, somebody's just watching Netflix, right? That's that's what's happening. Oh boy, I don't know, man. Sounds domestic to me, but <laughs> if you say so. I don't think any police department wants to get the Fran Mill Reyes Award of the Year. So this is this is pretty <laughs> pretty bad. Uh they didn't they didn't find any part of that complaint. That's awful. No. Moving on. The Chinese Lunar New Year began on February 10th. We are now in the year of the dragon. Yes. Dragon is usually associated with good fortune, wisdom, success, protection, and masculinity. Also, fertility rates tend to increase during Uh-oh. dragon years. <laughs> How do you think the dragon will impact your coming year? Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> the clock's ticking. 50 per 7 Rimbaldo. Yes, that's probably... <laughs> At some point in this year of the dragon, uh, I might knock up the old lady again. <laughs> it feels like that's where this is heading. Like we've discussed, she's been a little more vocal about it. Two's great. That's what I grew up with. It was me and me and Roe. So that's where I thought it would end up on. Uh, but she has more siblings and that's her perspective. Uh, and, and if that's what she wants, as I continue to get aged and older, <laughs> um, I might as well just not sleep for another 15 to 20 years. (laughs) If you have a kid in the year of the dragon, will you name it Aegon or something like that? It's got to be a better name. Aegon Rambaldo does not sound good. It's got to work with the last name. Are you sure? Rhaenyra? 
I need a good what, what's yeah Aegon. What would you what's short? Eggs? Eggsy? Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's a prequel that's coming. That's the Duncan Egg thing. Yeah. All right. It's Phil, how do you think the year of the dragon is gonna impact you? I'm hoping it only impacts me in that we get another House of the Dragon uh season going. I'm pretty sure that's happening. Um to, to Chuck's plan here, I, I think three is the magic number in the oh, in the parlance go. of pasta news. I I think Three is, in fact, the magic number. Go for it, man. I like the way this is headed. Um, if there's good fortune and success coming this year, then my fingers are crossed for my wife and her store. It's another big year for her growing that. So that's where I'm hoping uh, the success is going to come. And I'm also hoping for more Rambaldos. Can't go oh. wrong there. All right. <laughs> Before we go, let's talk a little bit of TV. The Bear Season 3 comes out in June. House of the Dragon season two is either early summer or August. They're kind of vague about it. Which one of those are you looking forward to seeing the most? Man, Year of the Dragon is already off to a great start. Yeah, so look at all this good fortune we're having. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Shantz is going to hate it. But but the rest of us, <laughs> the rest of us, which of those two am I looking forward to the most? That is a tough question. I love both of those shows. I I. Ah, that that I don't know how to answer that. Other than I guess I'll go with House of the Dragon because of the depth there, and I'm invested. I've been invested in that world much longer than Carmi and and his restaurants. But I do like the Bear. That's a good show. I'm gonna say the Bear. Uh, not that I was ever disappointed with House of Dragon, uh, but we've questioned Game of Thrones at times, and I'm assuming that same blueprint may happen here, where the Bear is probably the best comedy slash drama show i've seen in years uh and if it started so i think we all remember it started kind of slow in season two and then it just became the best television i've seen in a very long time and i'm assuming they're going to build on that i want to know where these characters are going to go i want to know how it's going to work out for them uh where house of the dragon Spoiler alert, we already know what happens because they talk about it in Game of Thrones. So uh, I'm, I think I'm going to be a little more invested in the bear, though. I'm excited for both. Really tough call. I mean, these are two of our favorite shows coming back, like right near the same time. Podcasting uh, gold. Yeah, yeah. It really makes my job easy, which is fantastic. That's almost always what I'm going for uh, in the dragon year. I think I'm going with the bear just because it's just so unique. That it's a comedy slash drama, like Chuck said. Like we've all kind of said that it it never fit really in that comedy category alone. Cool characters, cool stories, well written. Like a at times a very difficult watch, like an emotional watch. I I can I can go for that. House of the Dragon is going to be great. There's going to be dragons. There's going to be fire. There's going to be violence and cool shit like that. Um, but the bear, I think, is the one that I'm, if not most excited about, most intrigued to see like what they do in that next season. But fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Jeff Bezos sold about 2 billion worth of stock in Amazon last week. With that news, this should have you really excited about your stock in this show. I hope you guys have a great week <laughs> and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. <laughs> For the Ohio State Buckeyes since the season ended. Built built. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat>
<laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Chuck, what do you think? What advice do you have for the University of Heights police? You already went to Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck gave a Phil. really good answer. <laughs> Phil is who I meant. Um, it's too um, late to be podcasting. It, it is. It is. It is. It's hard. It's hard after winning a championship. Um, oh, Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field and let's close out a bitty, a bitty. Oh, we just did the whole show without mentioning that Jeff Bezos, Jesus Gerber. Oh, <laughs> you tell your wife to turn off the TV so we can't hear that in the background. Hey, babe, can you turn that down just a touch? <laughs> so much nicer. You can turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're not a good dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know what? I'm not I'm not terrible, but I'm not great either. But I'm good enough oh. to know that you don't grope people. It's just not that fucking it's a, hard. It's a low bar. But yes, I, I think you're better I don't, than that. I don't steal from people either. Yeah. Uh, uh, bar's getting higher. Bar's getting higher. Yeah. I think you're a better yeah. dude than you think you are. Not I've been watching guy. you. I don't, I've been I watching don't... you your whole life almost. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, outside of turf in the infield at NDCL, I mean, really beyond that, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of rests and some other things, but all right, yeah. let's get into this. I'm, let's do it. We'll see how the Super Bowl recap goes because, you know, it just ended a few minutes ago and I don't have a whole bunch here. So we'll, Me neither. <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see. Save, save your energy for the second segment. We can talk about the Cavs. <clears throat> oh, shit. With the purple Gatorade. Purple I don't know Gatorade. Who had oh, that. Purple Gatorade. Purple Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with, with the, with the Chuck, KC did, win, I think it'll be all right. Chuck, was that going to be – I don't mean to just completely skip over your answer, Danko, but um, <laughs> Sorry, the Gatorades, the Gatorade thing got us. Chuck, was, did you make that bet? Because purple it, was – I didn't make it in real life. I oh, made it with Gerba. Gerba. I only bet Gerbucks, man. Oh. <laughs> I had five real-life bets on this game. Oh, here's here's Kelsey and Swift. Let's see if he goes to a knee. They're on the field. Oh, it's the best. This is the best. This is why I had to root for the Chiefs. Yeah, he's got a stink though. Football players are so sweaty and gross. But after she these loves games. him anyway. This is so True. good. So good. He she God. loves his musk. So so he <laughs> he wins the Super Bowl the week after she wins Album of the Year. Yeah. Uh, this wedding in Cleveland is going to be off the chain. I yeah, cannot wait yeah. to go. How do we get invited? We need like media <laughs> credentials. Anyway, oh, how did we do on our the ten leg parlay? Yeah, we, we missed it. No, we were pretty close. We were actually oh, were we? pretty close. I think. Yeah. yeah. When we went to overtime, it was a huge win for us because we had a chance. Yeah. And uh, what ha I was just looking at this, what we got screwed on was the George Kittle injury and the, yep. their refusal to use him. We needed 25 yards out of that guy, and he did not get it. Well, we didn't and get the Kelsey touchdown. Kelsey touchdown was still possibility at, in overtime, and then IU well, was right. one, yeah. shy of, well, one yard shy of 50. So we were getting there. but And Purdy too, right? We got all the Purdy. Pretty hit. He had do, over 200 yards passing, over a touchdown pass. Oh, we, you know I'm what? On, right on DraftKings, I couldn't. Oh, you couldn't. The, the only same. touchdown they would do for me on Purdy was um, over one and a half. So he had to throw mm -hmm. two. Uh, 
<clears throat> I had I had a really good, sensible should have won parlay. 49ers minus one and a half. Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey seventy yards rushing, and 49ers first to ten points. And I hit the rushing and the first to ten points. Yeah. Yep. Fucking Niners I, couldn't win the game. So outside of our ten level parlay, which was a big bet for me, which we lost, I I only hit on one of my five bets. I I had a money line Chiefs Kelsey fifty yards receiving or more, and that was a plus two fifty uh, super boost that came out like right before kickoff. So I took advantage of that. I'm, I'm a sucker for the super boost. Like you're gonna give me an extra plus hundred? Hell yeah, <laughs> I'm taking that bet. <laughs> Um, I won the coin toss. Nice. Yeah, boy. nice. I didn't do Heads, any baby. like any prop bets. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, we solved another problem. I think it's a perfect time. It is. It is. Go to bed to call it a night. Happy Super Bowl, fellas. Oh, a lot of fun. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. It's officially next year. I'm ready yeah. to celebrate. All right, fellas. All right, guys. All right, boys. Love you Have guys. Good night. All right, love you guys, fellas. Good night. Later. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? I amuse you?